Hi, Calvary. This is Patrick Sebecki. I'm here this week on The Weekly, filling in for Jay Ewing, who is going on sabbatical soon. We're here at The Weekly talking to the pastors and teachers here at Calvary, helping you get a better insight into what does the scriptures say to everyday life. And as always, if you're here and looking for more information, go to calvarybible.com. You can click on your campus, whether you're in Boulder, Erie, Thornton, or beyond, and hear more about the events that are happening here and around this summer. We have a lot going on this summer, so head on over and check out what's going on. This week, I am here with Tom Shirk, the senior pastor here at the Boulder campus and of Calvary Bible writ large, and we're here to talk about the Micah 6-8 weekend. Thanks for being here, Tom. It's my pleasure to be here again with you, I almost called you Jay. <laughs> that's good a, to see you, Patrick. That's okay. My goal is to be as seamless as possible. Okay, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much, Tom. Yeah, so this last weekend was the 6-8 weekend across all of our campuses. We took time away from the Daniel series to really spend time in Micah 6-8, this passage about what the Lord requires of us is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Yep. And I, I just thoroughly enjoyed how you walked through all the scriptures to show us that this isn't just one verse in one place where God cares about justice, but throughout the old, oldest of the Old Testament to the newest of the new, God cares about justice and mercy and us walking humbly with him. Yeah, he really does. It's a part of um, all of the scripture that, we're created in the image of God, so therefore we should reflect him. And um, this theme of how we treat one another is the, the most manifest way of demonstrating that you really do know God is that you treat people the way God treats people. And so justice, mercy, kindness, humility are all the virtues um, that we love most about God. He's just. He's merciful. Um, he is able, willing to condescend to our life through his incarnate son, Jesus Christ. I mean, came to us and he loves us. And so it makes perfect sense that the Bible, one of the themes of the Bible through and through Old Testament to New Testament is uh, it matters how we live. Mm. I love that, that simple formulation you gave us on Sunday that we want to treat people the way God treats people. Yeah. I think that is just one that's so attractive instantly, it yep. seems like something, oh yeah, I I would want that. Even I even if I really had a vague idea of who God is, if even I had the, the basic Western idea that God is a loving God who created everything, like that sounds immediately attractive yeah, to me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the commands that he gave. I, I gave this verse on Sunday, Leviticus 24, 22, you shall have the same rule and that's the word justice, the same mishpat. You shall have the same rule for the sojourner and for the native, for I am the Lord your God. It's a, it's a statement that this is what God is, so this is what you do. Uh, he, he treats all people. There's no partiality with God. So that's the way we have to look at other people around us, um, that they're all created. Every human being is created in the image of God. Some are um, a pleasure to be with. Some are difficult to be with. Um, but we're all created in the image of God, and that's the way he, he thinks about us. He loves us. He loves the world. Mm, I love that focus, even 
for my sake, the student ministries right now, we're gearing up for a series in the fall where we're going to look at how the image of God plays out throughout all of the scriptures. We're going to spend four weeks Mm. showing students how the whole Bible ties together, and we're going to use the image of God language to focus on that. So it's just been sweet as I've been reading through, preparing for that series, hearing these great messages in the background to be like, oh, yes, this plays out in so many sweet ways. That's great. Throughout the scriptures. So I, I think one of the places I heard you talk about briefly in your message on Sunday that I just wanted to dive into a little bit more today is you talked about this principle from Deuteronomy 24. So it starts in verse 17, but it continues on through verse 19 and 20 that really when you go out, so this is Deuteronomy 24, 19, when you reap the harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow that the Lord may God may bless you in all the work of your hands. This idea that like, if you forget wheat in the field, you should just leave it and not go back and get it and not try and gather as much as you possibly can, but actually leave some out in your fields. feels like almost leaving work a little bit undone mm. so that those who are poor can come in and gather it for themselves. And you talked about, I love this, is it's almost this empowering note for the poor of it's not just a handout, but it's actually something they have to go and get for themselves, but gives them the sustenance they need. That's right. It's an agrarian society and, um, you know, you had to have food for each day. And so in the harvest time, um, the people of Israel were commissioned by God to have the poor, the widow, the sojourner in their mind, the the orphans. Each of these four categories were particularly vulnerable and needed to be cared for, and the way God cared for them was through God's people. This perhaps is the greatest takeaway is God is able to provide for the needs of his people, the poor, the widow, the orphan, the sojourner. Um, God is able to provide for them. But his plan is that he would provide for them through the compassionate expression of his people. And so this was just sort of a built-in uh, means by which those who had land and crops kept in their frame of reference those who didn't and needed. So they were sort of called not to take more than they needed and to leave some for others. And you, you just notice that the promise in all of that is that God's watching mm-hmm. and he will bless you for doing this. Like he will, he's, he's aware that you didn't get everything out of your field and you're leaving it for someone else and God's taking note and will bless. Yeah. I think this, the first time I ran into this, I was managing a coffee shop here in Boulder and I was 21 at the time. And someone showed me this verse as this idea of like, Oh, there's like a place in, managing a business in such a way that you leave room for the poor. Mm. And it was a guy who was this college guy who was really excited about this verse and he was using it as a justification to tell me to give him free coffee. Well, not him. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, at least he wasn't advocating for himself, but he was saying, why wouldn't you take like your extra pastries, your extra food that you're not going to use at the end of the day? Why wouldn't you give it away to the homeless that are in Boulder? Mm -hmm. Like, 
this is this is a principle from this passage. Yep. And I thought, okay, well, that that makes sense in my context as a coffee shop manager. But I think for the the engineer, the all the different tech jobs that are represented in Calvary, these jobs that it's like, where's the I don't quite know where the extra sheave, the extra grapes are for the guy who codes for Google. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure how I would apply that either. Yeah. Except that the, the guiding principle is to be aware Mm. of these categories of vulnerable people. And um, obviously there's some, another verse in that Deuteronomy passage where when you have a, a laborer who works for you, you pay him that day. You don't wait till the end of the week. You pay them that day. Well, why? In that society, um, you needed give us this day our daily bread. You had to buy bread, so that's why you got paid every day before the sun goes down. It was another sort of contextual application for the people of Israel in that setting. Sure. Today, it's very it's very different, <clears throat> sure. and I don't know how the um, you know, the, the coding engineer will leave something left for somebody else. <laughs> uh, but he or she makes a profit, and with their profit, they should have in mind the vulnerable categories of people that God still calls us to care for mm-hmm. as we're able to in all the ways that we can. Yeah, that's helpful of even going back to that larger principle of, like, things that are amoral like refrigeration were invented and so we can store food for more than a day now we don't need to get paid every day to buy food every day right because i can go once a week and so it and it'll keep so it even things like that of like oh we just things have changed not in ways that are good or bad well i i tend to think refrigeration is good refrigeration's good But it's those changes that, like, oh, we need to get find that principle. How much time do we have? Can I tell you a story? Yeah, we got. I, I went to, I was on a trip to Sudan, and I spoke in church at a, in a church in Sudan, and uh, no electricity, no refrigeration, and it was super hot. <laughs> and um, I was the guest of honor because I was speaking. As soon as the church service was over, the elders of the village stood up, walked me out of the church away from my team and marched me through town to this home, got into this home and sat down in a seat of honor. And out of another room came this porcelain cup with a gray milky substance in it. And it was a treasure to, to them to give me this, I presume goat milk. Sure. It's 95 degrees out and it had a gray film on the top and they gave it to me with joy. And I, Looked at it, looked at them, looked for my team, couldn't find them, and I said thank you, and I took a drink. Just before there I just before I took it, he said uh, very fresh, very fresh, and uh, <laughs> the, and I said okay, and I drank it, and it wasn't fresh. It, <laughs> oh, no. it was uh, it was probably uh, harvested yesterday mm. and sat in that cup until I arrived. Mm. And I, I took one and thanked him for it. And then he asked if I wanted to continue drinking. I said, no, you, you go ahead. And he drank it. And as soon as he drank it, he said, Oh, not so fresh. <laughs> so yeah, I'm thankful for refrigeration too. Yep. That's <clears> but, good. um, yeah, <laughs> that's I don't know what the point of that is, but, uh, I- 
a, a great story. <laughs> I, w- I was the vulnerable one in that situation. <laughs> and they go. cared for me. Yeah, they were aware and wanted to share what was extra that they had. That's right. And it, it seemed like it was a little extra. Yeah. So that's I, I think that even that principle, though, of thinking about what, what does it mean to care for someone who comes in who actually is in your space, that you, whether or not they're a person of honor or someone who tends to be marginalized even across the world. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's something that we value as Christians. Even I I would say as humans, that, that caring for the marginalized is something people have talked about and whether or not that's been applied well is a question. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason that we think about Micah six, eight weekend, six, eight project weekend is that we want to develop an internal awareness of all people being um, created in the image of God, equal in dignity, worth, and value. And it's interesting that that verse says, um, do justice, which is an action, uh, and the sense there is that you treat everyone equally, equitably, and to love mercy, which is not an action, but a heart. And you have to have the heart attitude. I love people, and I want to be merciful to them. And then you look for the action that you can do that. And I think both of those together is the way you walk humbly with God. You know, the humble walk with God is having a heart of mercy and looking for every opportunity to care for those in need. Yeah. And even on that note of going after opportunities. I Are you sensing some areas of opportunity for people in Boulder County, in Boulder itself? I love that we've gotten to partner with the Habitat Project. I even talked with the students in the last couple of weeks, just even opening up. I, I had never really understood trailer parks and what the issues that accompanied that financially right. could be. Right. And so even just taking time this last week to explain to the high school students at WNT, like where are some of the issues? Like, why is it a big deal that we partnered with Habitat to build houses mm-hmm. on a former trailer park? Yep. And I love that. But what are some of the other spaces or opportunities that you're seeing or sensing right now? Well, what are the needs in our community? That, that's the question that we often ask because the needs of the city create opportunities for the church to do what the church is able to do um, in a very beautiful volunteer sacrificial way, uh, needs of the city create opportunities for the church. So where are people marginalized? Where are there vulnerable people? It's in housing in our community, uh, particularly here in Boulder, uh, less so in Erie, um, but also in Thornton. Uh, food shortage is another one. Uh, shelter for domestic violence. We have a great relationship with the safe house here in, in Boulder and um, where people are being mistreated, um, they're not getting justice. They're not getting their rights of safety. Uh, we can enter in there. It's interesting that we we partner with these organizations, and we don't have 100% alignment with uh, the values of a lot of them. But the things we do care about is everyone's created in the image of God. Everyone <clears throat> should be treated justly, and we can participate in some measure in that, even though we might not agree totally with the charters of everybody. Sure. 
in our town with the social service organizations. That's a challenge at times to sort out where can we go? And um, maybe like Daniel, we say, well, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. Oh, we can't do that. And sometimes we have to make those kinds of decisions. But basically you're looking where the needs, where vulnerable people, where would God's mercy want to extend? Um, Education's been another one. Uh, The pandemic created a lot of uh, people who have fallen far behind. And so in each of our campuses, we have a really significant relationship with schools that help kids and provide resources and step in for mentoring, tutoring, um, and other kinds of help to support teachers. So mm. that, that's just another place where the church can be the church. Just do justice, love mercy. Even the mercy of teaching elementary school kids math and reading. Yeah. What is yeah, it? it can be. That's so sweet. I think that's been one of my favorite in the almost two years I've been on staff with Calvary. That's been a really sweet thing to see how faithfully Calvary's even in just in my time has it involved itself and encouraged its members to go out and be a part of that. And just for you who are listening, if you want more information about those opportunities, you can go to calvarybible.com slash 6-8-project. All the opportunities for the different campuses are on there, and you can see what and how you can engage even today, this week, this weekend with our city and the, the great opportunities that Calvary has provided, those places where you could just take that easy next step and jump into service. So yeah, that's great. You know, one thing I would just mention is like we're we're concerned about being a point of influence for grace and mercy and truth in our local city, and yet the needs of the world are so great too. So I'm thankful that a lot of our projects over the years have been more global in nature as well as local. And um, you know, there's probably not another category of suffering in the world of a marginalized group of people than um, people in slavery, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, you know, actually labor slavery or sex trafficking. And I'm thankful that Calvary's been able to step in a couple times to really uh, participate in the rescue of people who have been trafficked. Yeah, I think that's so sweet. One of uh, my wife and I's good friends from college went and served with international justice mission in the Dominican Republic just after college and then came back to CU to get her law degree Nice, because she saw the power, not just individual persons and even great nonprofits can have, but actually the power of the justice system itself Mm -hmm. to be able to influence and really cause that righteousness to go forward. And that was because of the work of the spirit in her heart. Like she felt called to work with, to save those women and to help build better systems. That's great. And so I, I just, I love that Calvary has been a part of that. And she was uh, here at Calvary when she was at college at CU and has gone on to do this great work. And Calvary supported that in the, the big ways that you know about. And even those ways that are playing out in the lives of lawyers and people who are faithfully committing to work with mercy and justice ministries around the world. Yeah, that's great. So that's that actually is a good illustration of uh, what you asked earlier. You know, we, we don't have leftover crops, but, w- you know, what, what in your career mm-hmm. um, can you point, at least at some point, sometimes, t- to marginalize people who need mercy and justice and uh, need to be treated in a good way? So, you know, I love that someone 
here's a call from God to do a vocational career that's going to help alleviate suffering in the world. That's fantastic, especially when it's done in the name of Christ. Yeah. Well, I think that just bringing back is such a sweet note. Are there any other thoughts that you've had that you wanted to share? Any other things that you felt like you wanted to share on Sunday and couldn't quite get to because of time or space or? Well, um, so when we say we take a weekend and we focus on it, what we're really trying to do as an organization for everybody at Calvary is create the mechanisms that simply help the every member of our church do what they know they should do and actually want to do, but maybe don't know how to do. How do you make a difference in the world? So we create these weekend experiences that help make it easy to step into something that really is obeying what God says. And over time, then we have to, hopefully every member of Calvary saying, okay, well, that's what we did as a church together organizationally. What am I going to do individually? How's this going to impact my life? What, what decisions am I going to make? And I think we all have to then, um, sort of look for the places. If you're a doctor, how, how will you do that? If you're a teacher, if you're an engineer, if you're a CEO, a manager, if you're a day laborer, whatever it is that you do, um, how can I have a mindset of being merciful and looking for ways to help the very marginalized people? The groups of marginalized people in the Bible were always these four. They were the fatherless, the orphan, the sojourner, and the poor. You know, today there are other categories that have uh, sort of become significant in our society. Uh, a lot of them are even single moms. Single moms are in, often in a place. Um, there are, are the homeless. There are the substance addicted uh, categories of people who are really suffering. And it's like, where can mercy, where can kindness, where can treating people equitably happen and and then not only help individuals but maybe help systems that um, are creating some of this conflict and trouble yeah ah man I think that's such a good call and a reminder for us in these these days that these four categories that the Bible brings up repeatedly haven't gone away but actually it seems like over time have grown in the scope of who who are we called to care for? Yep. And it's so good for us to be aware of that and thinking about that and just remembering that God has called us here, not just so that we can believe in him and then live a good life on our own, but actually to join him in that mission to treat people the way he would treat them. Yep. And wherever, wherever we are. And uh, thankfully, the Bible has um, cat, uh, situations where the followers of God were in beautiful times and they were in difficult times. And I love that, in particular, this call to seek the welfare of the city that you're in came to Israel when they were in captivity. Mm. So they were in sort of the worst of times, but they were still called on to be people who thought about the people around them because that's what God does. Oh. Oh. Tom, thank you so much for coming sharing those those great thoughts, just giving us a beautiful picture of what it can mean for us and, yeah, a place that can feel more like Babylon than it does like Jerusalem in its heyday. It can, yep. And, and that it's still God's call in our life. Absolutely. It's the proof of concept that Jesus is real, he's real to us, and so we make him real to others. Oh, it's a good call. 
Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks My for, pleasure. Thanks for being here today. Yeah. I appreciate so much this opportunity to bring a little bit more of the Boulder flavor to the weekly. Oh, happy to be here. Oh, man. Again, thank you so much for listening today. Thanks for being here. And again, if you need more details, go to calvarybible.com and you can find more about what Tom and I talked about, his sermon from this last week, and just more information about how Calvary and the people of God are engaging in mercy here in our places. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.